coffee and your Bible Today is August the 11th, year of our Lord, 2022. We are the Nesbitts and Rachel. Rachel. Good morning. This is Daybreak Live. Let's get it going. Boom. All right. Good morning. Today we are going to read Revelation chapter 4. So I'm thinking of holy songs that will go with this chapter. We'll read the whole chapter today and then we're going to talk about some pitfalls and guidelines as we move on from here into Revelation. So let's turn this off.
Thank you, daughters. Mm -hmm. You stayed up all night, got no sleep. That wasn't me. Although I could still use more sleep. Y'all will be praying for Josh. Yeah, so Josh isn't with us this morning. Got a text this morning that he would not be coming up because he is feeling sick. So we want to lift up Josh to the Lord this morning. Keep him in prayer. He also is not going to be going to work, of course, today. So, y'all remember Josh. Let me jump over here. I thought the girls and the boys did a wonderful, wonderful job the last couple of days. We did watch. We were on and watching. And I thought they did a great job. So, still have camp hair. Uh, do what? I said, I still have camp. Mama has camp hair. It was really good for Lisa and I. We probably need to run off a little more. Yeah. Older Nesbitts, thank you, thank you, thank you. I felt like they did a good job too, Brother Charles. Thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for encouraging them. I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? To our families to carry on the work. Uh, the church to carry on the work. Especially in this day when laborers are falling by the wayside. So yeah, we had a great time. Lisa and I had a great time. Uh, just running off together and uh, having a little couple time, you know, to make sure that we still like each other when there's no kids around. Yeah. <laughs> we on found out off, we do. the off chance that they ever all get married. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So happen. we're going to dive in. We're going to dive in. I'm going to just go ahead and read chapter four for this for this lesson today, we're just going to read the entire chapter. It's 11 verses. And then what I want to talk about is pitfalls and guidelines. That's what I've got uh, put in here. Pitfalls and guidelines as we're moving through the book of, uh, book of the Revelation. Now, we just got done with all the letters to the churches. And we've entered into chapter 4 and chapter 5 are what you would call foundational chapters for the rest of the book. It's very important what happens in 4 and 5 because it is the scene of heaven. It is, a, uh, it is the throne of God that we look at. And as we see what takes place at that throne, it's going to set up for 6 through 22, or at least 6 through 16, you know, to set up what's what's going to be happening for several more chapters to come and why it's happening. And so these letters to the churches uh, are done now. And as I've said before we move on, that these, remember, uh, I, I'm not saying it's impossible to say that these distinguish the church age, you know, and then the last one's Laodicea. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I am saying you don't get that from the text. If we take the text from the scriptures, then it suggests at in 95 AD, all seven of these churches with all seven of these problems, I mean, all of these problems were, were present at the same time, and it is reasonable, and I think most accurate to say, that they will be present in all of these forms until the Lord's return. Let's jump into chapter 4, 
the, the throne room of heaven, and let's read it. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. I will show you things which must take place after this, or hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, an appearance like an emerald. Around the throne are 24 elders, excuse me, are 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf or like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest. Day or night saying, night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who lives on the throne, who sits on the throne, excuse me, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. The... Uh, thing I want to remember here is pitfalls and guidelines as we move on through. I think I put that in the title. You should see that at least somewhere under here. I want us to remember the context. Remember the context is 95 AD. As we have said before, I want to say again, there needs to be guidelines, especially when we come to the book of Revelation. If we're honest... And I'm not saying this in any demeaning manner to anybody that's listening or myself either. But most of us, when it comes to our views of eschatology, uh, most of the time our views are not actually our own in the sense of we came up with them ourselves. 
most of the time we've adopted views that's been handed to us from either the the denomination or the pastor we're under. And I say, or the pastor we're under because I grew up in a denomination uh, that had different, differing views within the one denomination. Some denominations require you you uh, receive this eschatological view for you to be part of that denomination. But others, like what I grew up in, uh, it was really up to the pastor. I mean, and I had I had pastors, as I shared with you, I had uh, a millennial pastor, which was the most dominant, most influential pastor at the age when God was calling me out to preach and teach and to feed his sheep. Uh, my pastor was a millennial. I had a pastor I thought a uh, great dear up, two different ones. One was a post-millennial pastor. Postmillennialism was very popular as well. Uh, uh, Charles, think, think Charles Finney. Think uh, Jonathan Edwards. And then, of course, I had a premillennial pastor as uh, as well. He was younger in my life, but I didn't realize that that's what he was till I started studying later. Now, I'm only saying this to say, uh, as far as pitfalls go, when we are reading the Book of Revelation. Um, we want to try not to. Here's some things I'm going to try not to do. Now, I'm, I've shared with you my views, so it's impossible for me not to have my views come into as I'm trying to explain Revelation. And I, I realize that. But the views that I have now, I have because I've been getting them from the text for a few years. And it's not just something I've always heard, if that makes sense. And it's really hard when we read Scripture to not force our views onto the text. It's like, I have this view of how things are going to go down, and as I read the Word, I, I stick my view in it. I, I force my view onto the text. We're going to try our, our best not to do that, okay? And that doesn't mean, you know, within historic Christianity— there's many different views, especially when you get to the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, uh, you can take any part of what I just read in chapter 4. I've listened to hours of scholars' opinions on, say, the 24 elders or the... I mean, I've listened to hours of talk and debate on them. And what people say, they give you like six different views. At the end of all of it, after hours and hours and hours, people go, we don't know. It might be this, and it might be that. And so as we go through uh, the book of Revelation from here forward, one of the pitfalls I'm going to try to stay out of is trying to fit the Scripture into a view and rather, you know, I mean, trying to force a view onto it that we already hold. And just let's look at what it says. Now, one of the ways we're going to do this that's going to help us, that doesn't mean, I, I still hold a futuristic view of Revelation, especially especially from 6 on. Uh, but that being said, there's got to be reasons you hold that. And at some point, the reasons need to be yours, not somebody else's. One of the ways I want to do this, uh, or that I'm trying to do this, is to remember the context. 
I, I shared with you in verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, that the Lord Jesus, Yeshua said, blessed is he who reads, hears, and keeps the words that are written in here. So John is given a letter. He's seeing a vision and he's writing it down. And the Lord himself, the king, the one that came off the throne, says, blessed is the one who reads this letter that John wrote, who hears what it has to say, absorbs it, and keeps those things that are written therein, which means it has to be, has to be able to be appropriated to the seven churches it's written to and from their future. It has to say something to them. It's, it's not written in a vacuum. In other words, Jesus did not send this letter to seven churches to say unto them, this has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with the time you're living in. It only has to do with somewhere beyond 2022. Now, I, I'm sharing with you, I do believe much of it has to do with is still in our future, but it has to apply them to them as well. One of the ways is uh, of understanding to, of it applying to them is to realize that they're under persecution. They're under persecution. Remember that John says, John said back here in 1.9, he said, I, John, both of your brother and companion, now listen to this, in the tribulation. I, John, he's writing, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus was on the isle, which is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, the, the churches, and he's writing to the letters to the seven churches, they're going through a hard time. They're going through persecution. As we went through the letters, we shared this. They're being persecuted. There are those called the synagogue of Satan. They've been kicked out of synagogues. They've been set outside of accepted religion and it's bringing them under persecution of the Roman Empire. They are being persecuted in different places. They need to hear this letter. This letter is going, and it's not just, remember, Ephesus is going to read what the Lord is saying to Laodicea as well. Laodicea is reading what the Lord said to Ephesus as well. And all of these, he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And remember, blessed is he that reads, that hears, and that keeps what's written therein. So the the for the, the number one thrust of this book is to give God's saints encouragement and strength to endure and overcome and stay faithful unto the end. Does that make sense? Stay faithful unto the end. All right. That's the context, 95 AD, persecution, Domitian's demanding worship, okay? We're going to try not to force our eschatological views onto the text, but we're going to read it 
and say, what is it saying? Okay. We're going to say blessed is he who reads. In other words, you can get something out of this book, even if it's number one context isn't definitely in your life. There's something you can learn from it. The next pitfall that I want to fall into, and I see this all the time, especially especially when I, uh, someone sits down and they start asking me questions. Uh, questions just, sometimes people can ask questions and before you can even actually answer the question, they ask another question. And a lot of the questions, especially when you get into the book of Revelation, is over mysteries that are not explained. What, what's this represent? What's that represent? What's this represent? What's that represent? And then you go to say, well, here's what it seems to represent. And then say, well, what about this? Which is fine, but one question takes time to answer. And as I go through it, I don't know how fast I go, how slow we're going to go, but I want to take each verse and I want to think about it. And, and so here is the guideline that's going to keep us from a pitfall, hopefully. When symbols are not explained, many of the symbols in Revelation are explained. I've shared with you with you this before. When symbols are not explained, then we can talk about what they might mean that we don't know because they're not explained. Does that make sense? Give you for instance, many times it's going to say, okay, in the text I read it says the there were seven uh torches, seven fires before the throne. Then it says, these are the seven spirits of God. It explained it. So the one he, he's, he's given it to John, he says, these are the seven spirits of God. So he's explaining it. The person goes, well, what's the seven spirits of God? What in the world does that mean? Well, so sometimes we want a lot more explanation than the Lord wants to give us for uh, other places. Um, Jesus, you know, in his right hand is seven stars. You remember that? And he's walking in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. And it said to him, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Boom. The explanation. The seven candlesticks are the seven churches. The symbols are explained. When the symbols are not explained, then we need to take them at face value and be careful in over-spiritualizing things, and be careful, because I'm not saying that you can't look people, you can look people up and they'll say, here's what this is. Well, we want to be careful doing that, because at the end of this book, we are encouraged, do not add to, can I get an amen? amen. Do not add to or take away from this book. God ha does not want me to add to this book. He wants me to read this book and to teach this book to the revelation that he gives but I am not to add I'm not smarter than John <laughs> oh what happened too long no, just you know oh my gosh no I gotta get through these okay <laughs> number two number three number four I don't know where we're at the book of revelation is about the final exodus We'll talk more about that tomorrow. It's about the final exodus, okay? There's things that we're going to see. I've said this before in previous broadcasts. 
about 70% of the book of Revelation is alluded to. It's alluding to things that are in your scriptures. We're going to talk about things. We're going to see this. When we get into chapter 4, tomorrow we will start the study with verse 1. And you're going to see, he sees a door open in heaven. Ezekiel saw heaven open as well. Okay? And these things help us to understand. So I'll cut it off there. Pitfalls. Thank you, wife. Pitfalls. Guidelines as we go through. So if you can help me with this, you know, that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to take the text. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at Old Testament scriptures that also seem to allude to it. And we'll do our best, but we're not going to be dogmatic on things that are not explained. And with that, we'll get off of here. Let's just say a, a quick prayer, if you'll join with me, for everybody that's sick right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, we ask you to bless Joshua and bring healing to him. And all the others that maybe have typed in prayer requests this morning, I haven't even been able to see them yet. But Lord, we pray for those that are hurting, those that are uh, having surgeries, those that are going through difficult times. Uh, Lord, that you will bless them, that you will help them and bring them through it. In Jesus' holy, precious name. God, give us anointing as we begin now to unfold your beautiful words of an open door in heaven tomorrow. Please help us. In Jesus' name, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. Kind of sorry I went over too long. Uh, tomorrow's Fear Not Friday. And you want too bad. Just nine minutes. All right. Bye.